The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gagillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at and slash hypergig for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. This is a prepaid call from an inmate at a Florida Department of Corrections institution. To accept this call, press zero. To refuse this call, hang up or press. Thank you for using Global Telling. Hi, Leo. How are you? I'm doing well, Gilbert. How are you? I'm going to add Kelsey to the call, so just hang on a second. Hey. Hey, I'm merging the calls. Okay, I think we're set. It's been about four months since the release of Bone Valley's final episode. But I shouldn't say final, because this story is far from over. The book I'm supposed to be writing, well, I just keep putting it off. Instead, I'm still working on this case. I'm constantly in touch with Leo's defense team, which now officially includes the former judge, Scott Cupp. I'm speaking with journalists and podcast hosts, as well as lawyers and listeners who ask me how they can help support Leo. I've even been corresponding with Jeremy Scott, who is still in solitary confinement and still eager to share more of his story with me. But more on that another time, because this episode is about Leo. Leo calls me a few times a week. For months now, he's been sharing stories about how his life has changed since the release of Bone Valley. He still hasn't been able to listen to the show in full, but he's heard bits and pieces here and there. Chrissy and other members of his family have played parts of episodes for him over the phone, and he's seen partial transcripts of episodes. But for the most part, Leo's understanding of Bone Valley has been through the interactions he's had with corrections officers and prison contractors, the family members of other inmates who approach him in the visitation park, and the many, many letters he's received from listeners. And he wants to share some of these stories 
and what it's meant to him with you. You know, when this when this story was first being put together and when the podcast first uh, aired and everything, I, I think you even had, had told me you were trying to prepare me for the, uh, the response that I would get. And it was really strange because the first couple of months after the podcast was, was, was put out, I didn't, I didn't get a single email from anybody. And so I thought, well, you know, maybe I'm too old. Maybe, you know, it's not that interesting to, to talk to me and, and, and so just all of a sudden, I don't, I don't, I think it was like an episode, the final episode came out was, it was nine. And I think the, the ninth one really set people off. And then all of a sudden I was getting emails every single day, 30, 40 emails a day from all of, not just in the United States, but from Canada, from Australia, from Argentina, from Ireland, I got a lot from Ireland, got a lot from the UK. And these people were just responding to this stuff, and I was not prepared for that at all. I mean, and you know, I'm the kind of guy that you, you, um, I'm, I'm pretty sentimental. You know, I don't know if I should say that publicly because you got to be a tough guy in here, right? But I'm not really that tough, and uh, have a big heart, big soft heart. And when when people write to me and they say, "I love you," I respond, "I love you too." What's your name? <laughs> you know, and it's just, you know, really, really. <laughs> really crazy and and just it's it's very very exciting to me I, I can't even explain how encouraging it is to have people believe in me after all these years and to know the truth finally and to respond with the kind of love that has been really um lacking in in my life and in the life of my wife my daughter for so many years you know we've been doing this thing until you came along pretty much on our own and um to have this kind of love and support from so many different parts of the world was, was absolutely overwhelming. And um, I, I can't say enough uh, for how grateful I am for that. It's hard to respond to everybody, but if you, if you send a note or something with it, I will respond to that, no matter how small or whatever it is. I, I try to respond to all of them to say thank you at least. Leo's ability to respond to all of these messages is complicated by the new communication system recently put in place by the Department of Corrections. Inmates don't receive physical copies of their mail anymore. Instead, letters pass through a processing center in Tampa where they're opened, digitally scanned, and delivered through tablets that the prison provides. That means Leo doesn't have the chance to hold the physical handwritten letters from his loved ones and new supporters. And Leo's digital inbox only holds 200 letters at a time. Anything beyond the 200 most recent items is deleted. And Leo doesn't want to miss any. Saying thank you seems to be um, such an understatement. I mean, you just cannot imagine how life-changing this whole thing has been for me, personally. But I'd also like to say this, because I've actually thought about this, if I could um, connect with them in any kind of real way. I, I want them to know how much I connect with them as they connect to me uh, uh, at the point where we're all ordinary people. And, and I would imagine that, you know, all of us have something uh, that we deal with on a daily basis. You know, mine has been this prison experience and there are many things. I got a friend right now who's in the ICU he's dealing with, you know, a health issue and his family and, and, um, and we're all dealing with things and, I really want them to see me as an ordinary person, you know, just like themselves. And 
the reason why that's so important is because if they can see me as an ordinary person, then they may be able to see the God that I believe in as being extraordinary because at the center of this story for me is the God I serve. And I give him all the credit for making this whole thing come about, bringing all these people together. And that's a very important message for me. And it will be the center of my message leaving out of here if and when I, I get the opportunity to go home. I really do appreciate the love and support that I've received from them and uh, continue to receive from them. And it has absolutely changed my life and uh, has given me such great strength to continue with this fight. Leo has also felt a shift in his interactions, not just with people on the outside, but also within the prison walls. Listen, officers, their job is not to be our friend, you know, um, and for the most part, most of these are very professional. They, 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 you know, there's a demarcated line between, you know, inmates and staff, and that's the nature of prison. And, um, you know, some of them are, are um, overly not friendly. <laughs> so they make sure that line is very demarcated. And, you know, I don't have any issues with that. I'm, I'm not here to make friends either. But there was, there was one in particular, and um, he has always been straight narrow and, you know, very hard. And he had, he had heard the podcast and he had approached me and, and said he was listening to it. And his whole demeanor, his whole attitude of how he looked at me, how he treated me was totally different than what it was prior to that. I mean, I have yet to hear anybody that's been opposed to me or, you know, even neutral. If they, if they listen to the podcast, they come away you know, very convinced and angry that the system is what it is. There's an officer walked by me yesterday, and I guess he's new to the podcast. He said, hey, I've been listening to that podcast about you. And I said, really, because, you know, I don't really know him really well. But I said, what do you think? And he said, I think you didn't do it. <laughs> he just he kept going. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you get a lot of things like that. You know, the sentiment is, is pretty strong. Um I think one of the most moving ones for me was, and it's always the moms that get me, right? But there was this one in particular, she didn't know me, and she asked her son if, if she could um, meet me or say something to me, you know, and she's never spoken to me before. So she just came up, I was holding my youngest grandson, who is, you know, a serious chick magnet, you know, he's a real cute little boy. And I, I figured she was coming up to see him, because they all do. And um, and she was coming up with a smile on her face, and and uh, when she got up to me, she didn't say anything immediately. It was, it was kind of an awkward moment. She would just pause like she couldn't say. And I could see she was trying to gather her thoughts. So she put her hand on my shoulder. And then she said, oh, I'm going to cry. And then I realized she was there to see me. And uh, I gave my grandson to, uh, to his mother. And I said, come here. And I, I gave her a, a big hug. And she just hugged me. And she said, I love you. And it just choked me up as well. And um, she said, I listened to the podcast. And... I said, well, thank you for taking the time to doing that. She said, I hope, I so hope this ends well for you. Uh, and of course, I thanked her. And that was, that was just one. But the response from anybody who's listened to it has been incredible. But there's another part of this experience that's new to Leo. News about Bone Valley has spread throughout the prison population. And for the first time, everyone who he's incarcerated with seems to know what he's in for. It's a little bit of, of uh, 
a challenge for me too, by the way, because if you can imagine, we don't live our lives in here telling each other why we're here. I mean, it, it wouldn't work out really well for some of these guys who, who, you know, made some incredible bad decisions in their in their lives and affected the lives of others. So we don't walk around telling each other about our cases. And so it's a little bit unnerving, but when they hear the, the whole story, when they hear everything, what happens is they, they begin putting a lot of hope in my success because their hope is that, you know, when I leave here, I will speak on their behalf for people who are in similar situations. And, and there are some, there is a lot of good people in here. And a lot of these guys are just men who've made bad mistakes and would never do it again. Now they're paying for it with their lives. You know, it, I live here with broken men. They're already broken. We're all broken. And what we learn is that that's not, that's not um, a condition that's exclusive to prisoners. These people come from the free world. We came in here broken. I'm not an advocate for criminality, but I am an advocate for redemption, for forgiveness, for restoration, and that being for the victims as well. And, and so... You know, it's a it's a very naughty situation, but you know, I'm uh, I'm carrying a great burden for these guys. So it's not just about me; it's, it's them too. Hi, I'm Jason Flom, CEO and founder of Lava for Good Podcasts, home to Bone Valley, Wrongful Conviction, The War on Drugs, and many other great podcasts. Today, we're asking you, our listeners, to take part in a survey. Your feedback is going to help inform how we make podcasts in the future. Your complete and candid answers will help us continue to bring you more insightful and inspiring stories about important topics that impact us all. So please, go to lavaforgood.com survey and participate today. Thank you for your support. Bone Valley is sponsored by Stand Together. Stand Together is a philanthropic community that partners with America's boldest changemakers to tackle the root causes of our country's biggest problems, including the failed war on drugs that has criminalized addiction, fueled over-incarceration, and shattered communities. At 11 years old, Scott Stroh drank his first beer. At 15, Scott went to a mental health facility because of suicidal thoughts where he tried cocaine. Like many others who experience addiction, Scott was using drugs and alcohol to numb the pain. He was trying to numb childhood trauma. In his early 20s, Scott was invited into a boxing gym by a friend. That's where he discovered the healing power of sport and community that helped propel him towards sobriety. In 2006, Scott founded The Phoenix, a free, sober, active community that uses the transformative power of sport to help people treat and heal from addiction and imagine new possibilities for their lives through fitness. The program restores compassion to a system that has long relied on locking people up to solve the addiction crisis. Scott Strode is one of many entrepreneurs partnering with Stand Together to drive solutions in education, healthcare, poverty, and criminal justice. To learn more about addiction and the war on drugs, listen to the War on Drugs podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Mm 
As the days, weeks, and months pass, there are certain dates that reopen unhealed wounds. February 24th was the anniversary of Michelle's death, 36 years since she was killed. This anniversary is always a difficult day for Leo. I'm just wondering what gets you through these dark times. You know, is it faith? Is it music? What is it that holds you together? You know, that's a a really, really good question, and it's a very important answer. The very simple answer is that my faith in the God that has got me this far is what gets me through each and every one of those days. And it's not just the February 24th date. It's her birthday on December 8th and our wedding day. But February's is the worst because of what it represents. And this this time it was... was, um, Somehow more difficult. I was I was in a, a very um, saddened state. It was it was really tough. On the day of the anniversary, Leo was sent a picture of Michelle's grave. The headstone was originally inscribed with her married name, Michelle Schofield. But after Leo was convicted of her murder, the stone was replaced with one bearing her maiden name, Michelle Psalm. My my um, sister had found a picture somewhere and sent it to me, and I, I noticed that, that my name was taken off of the headstone by her dad. I, I, I totally understand his sentiment and his feeling, but I didn't deserve that dishonor. I don't want to, you know, hurt him in any kind of way. It's just, it adds to the, to the um, feeling of sadness that I had on that day. These anniversaries are just part of the stress that Leo is dealing with on top of the pressures of his life in prison. He was having trouble sleeping, and all of this stress seemed to catch up with him a few days before we spoke. I was um, at work, uh, working with uh, my boss and pushing a tool cart, and I really didn't have any warning. Apparently, my blood pressure was high, and somehow my my heart got out of rhythm, and I I felt when I felt it come on, you know, it it caused me to hitch my, my breathing, and so I asked my boss to give me a minute. I put my head down. I was trying to catch my breath, and and uh, I couldn't get that rhythm right. And and uh, I ended up falling on the ground apparently. And the only thing that I I remember about being on the ground because I was laying there and looking up. I had like tunnel vision, and I had this sound like it was a, a jet plane in my ears. I was laying there, and I, I could see the sky, and I couldn't really see anything around me except the sky in front of me. And it was just the position I was in. It was, it was clear sky and clouds. And, and and it was very, very sublime for me because I was seeing a vast expanse without looking through a, a fence or a razor wire or bars or steel doors. or You know, you take that for granted because, you know, we're, we're always looking horizontally here, right? You don't really look up a lot. And, and so having that view was, was very surreal for me. It was, it was very um, comforting. Leo told me that as he was lying there, looking up at the blue sky and white clouds, there was a brief moment when he didn't know where he was. He didn't know if he was dead or alive, imprisoned or free. And... Uh, that was pretty great for me. Uh, and that's the only thing I remember about being on the ground.
Have you been able to listen to that final episode? Uh, no, unfortunately, I don't get to. Um, I mean, I've heard some of it over the phone with, with Chrissy sharing it with me, and I heard parts of it, and you know, I, I know some of the things that it was about. We told Leo some of what we learned from our interview with Jeremy Scott, just bits and pieces. It's hard for Leo to hear these details, but through family, Leo was able to hear some more. And there was one part that really stuck with him. Jeremy's insistence that he told the prosecutor, John Aguero, all the way back in 2005, that he was responsible for Michelle's murder. This was a full decade before Jeremy confessed over the phone to Leo's defense attorney. That is one segment of it that I actually did get to hear um, that they had played for me over the phone. And um, I'm going to tell you my, my initial reaction at that moment, because I didn't know that until then. Um, I was very angry. I was, I was very angry because it became obvious to me that my life, my wife's life, my wife today, Chrissy, Ashley, my family, Michelle, her family, none of that mattered to that man. And if, had he done the right thing at that point, I'd have been willing to stand there and shake his hand and say, you know, we, we move on from this. Let's just do the right thing. You know, because anybody can make a mistake. Um, and I've never been vindictive about that. I've never been bitter about it. I'm still not bitter about it. But at that moment, I was extremely angry because he didn't do the right thing. He covered it up. And I went years longer trying to fight this case and lost at these appeals. And um, so it was very it was very devastating for me. And ironically enough, I was more angry with, with um, John Aguero than I was with Jeremy. Um, I think Jeremy was, was more just you know, at that point than he was, than Aguero was. Now, I've, I've since, by the way, I've had, to, I've had to let that go too. John Aguero is dead. Um, if I can just say this really quick about Mr. Aguero, uh, he, he was always like um, a nemesis for me for a little while. I think I probably was for him as well. Leo told me about one time decades ago, at a post-conviction hearing, when he spotted John Aguero in the courtroom. And Mr. Aguero stood up and shook my lawyer's hand and greeted him. He looked at me and he asked me how I was doing. And, and he was as sincere as you could be as asking that. I mean, he was cordial to me. And I think, I think for me, the years after that, he became somebody I really wanted to prove this case to. You know, it wasn't somebody I hated. I've never hated John Aguero. I, I, I believe that we need uh, prosecutors, unfortunately. We need the judiciary. We need the DOC. We need these systems in place to protect people and to hold others accountable who, who commit violent crime. But for me, Mr. Aguero represented somebody I wanted to prove this case to. I really wanted to prove this case to, and I felt like someday it would happen, and we would both be all right with it. And then when I heard he died in Morocco, that was, that was kind of um, sad for me because part of the goal is not going to be able to be fulfilled. But, um, you know, now I have um, Victoria Avalon and, and, and Brian Haas, and, you know, I, I want to prove it to them too, but they don't have the history with me that I had with Mr. Aguero. And so for me, it's never been about bitterness and never been about uh, hatred and proving somebody wrong. It was just about proving me innocent that makes any sense. 
Today, I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S., That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash iHeart. That's lifelock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. It took 11 years to get to the sale. The NYX anniversary sale is on now at knix.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of NYX's biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. Millions of people have made the switch to NYX leak-proof underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. Save 30% on super comfortable, machine-washable, and great-looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes, from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. Don't miss this chance to stock up on your NYX favorites or try something new. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com for the NYX anniversary sale. Hurry, the sale ends on Monday, May 13th. Go to NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. Leo's legal team is still debating strategies to legally prove Leo's innocence. But, in the meantime, Leo has another opportunity for parole. We'll go into that process in more depth in another follow-up episode once we have more details. But for now, what we do know is that on March 15th, Leo will receive a visit from an investigator with the Florida Commission on Offender Review. This person will show up at Hardy CI and spend some time talking to Leo about his record and his hopes for parole. The commission will then promptly set a date for Leo's hearing. Leo won't be able to attend that hearing, but his attorneys will make their case for his parole, and once again, the panel of three commissioners will publicly make their decision. And, um, you know, hopefully that we'll have people there to support and... And uh, we'll make our case. You get very, very little time to make your case. And historically, the Pro Commission uh, has not been very favorable to me.
They could decide to grant him parole so that he can eventually be home with his family. But then again, he's never apologized for the crime he was convicted of, which the state has pointed to as the reason that Leo shouldn't be paroled. I don't know how you can expect someone to apologize for something that they did not do. Um, and that's just uh, a fact that I have to deal with because the parole commission does, you know, I don't think they require it. I think they expect it. And, you know, and I guess at some level they should. I try to understand their perspective of it. The thing is, though, is that who qualifies that? I mean, why is it that somebody can go up before them and say, I'm really sorry, and somehow that makes them more amicable to making a decision to parole them than someone who has stood on his innocence for the entire time from the trial all the way through 35 years. I gained nothing by standing on a, on, on a claim of innocence unless I actually possess it. You know, because most of the inmates that I have that talk to me today, because they come from the point of view of being guilty, and they jump at a chance to get out of prison, they think it's because of my pride that I won't just say I'm sorry for the parole. You know, just say it. What, what do you care? What do they, you know, what does it matter? Just say you're sorry and, and parole out. Well, you know, I understand their perspective. I really do. But I'm not guilty. And it's not just about me. It's about my wife. And she deserves better justice than this. I know that that's, that's not a sentiment that's felt across the board in the people who have opposed me in this case, but it is an actual fact. She deserves better than this. She deserves justice. She deserves to have the truth come out. She doesn't deserve to have her husband falsely accused, convicted, and thrown away, and the real killer go free. She doesn't deserve that. She was worthy of real justice, and I have to stand on that. And, uh, you know, this is not... This is not you know, saying I'm sorry for stealing a candy bar I didn't steal. This is this is standing up for what's right, and I simply cannot live with myself labeled as a murderer. I, I just just cannot do it. Uh, I'm not going to do it. So you know, and you would think that after all this time, you know, I've had the opportunity to take deals to go home. I could have taken a deal before trial even started that would have sent me home 32 years ago, Gilbert. 32 years ago. Leo's talking about how just before he went to trial in 1989, the state offered him the opportunity to plead guilty to a lesser charge of second-degree murder. If Leo had taken the deal, there would have been no trial and no threat of the death penalty. Think about that. So despite what John Aguero tells the jury about, you know, how, how vicious I am and all of that stuff, they were willing to let me go 32 years ago without telling the jury a single word. Uh, and, and that's a fact of the case. It's public record. Can you just talk about that briefly, Leo, and what that would have meant to you in terms of sentencing? Okay, well, what that would have meant, at that time I was under a guideline sentence, and it would have been a 12 to 17-year 12 to guideline sentence. And that sounds like a lot of time. But it's really not because they wouldn't have they wouldn't have been able to give me more than 12 years because I didn't, they, they wouldn't have had any reason to aggravate. I have no prior felonies, uh, and on 12 years I was I got a third off automatically, so that's four off of that. That leaves eight. I got day for day for the jail time. That's 262 days, so it's almost another year. So now you're down into seven, and then I'm getting 20 days a month gain time to this day. That doesn't apply to a life sentence. So you're cutting it more than in half. 
So I would not have done more than three and a half years on the 12 of taking a deal of second degree. And instead of taking that, I faced the death penalty because that's what I was facing. Now, here's something else inmates will tell you. There's nobody in here, nobody in here that knows that they were caught guilty in trial facing the death penalty that will not take three and a half years and try to beat the death penalty on a case like this. No one would have done that. No one. No one in their right mind. And you could call me a lot of things back then. You can call me a lot of things now, but you cannot call me stupid. I'm not stupid. I had told my attorney, I don't care if they offer me five minutes probation and they say that I can do it on the way to the airport to go back to Massachusetts. I am not taking any deals. And I was scared to death. I didn't say that with courage or being brave. I said it out of simple fact that I cannot. There's no choice in this for me. Still, I could understand if Leo felt pressure to apologize, to feign remorse so that he'd be granted parole. But for Leo, this has never been an option. To apologize for killing his wife would mean he'd be lying, and that would eliminate the possibility of real justice for Michelle. And that he would never do. Not in 1987, and not today. Not even for the chance to be released tomorrow. You know, it's this dangling carrot that's before me, always. And, and I want it. I, I want it really bad. I want to go home. I want to take care of my wife and kid. I want, to, I want to take care of my life. I want to, you know, go out there, be able to live a little bit, you know, and make my mistakes and, and do my good deeds and all of that stuff. And, and I, I want that really bad. But I, I don't want it enough that I'm going to sacrifice who I am as a person and the integrity that I have and it's not because I'm a saint. It's not because I'm some great guy. It's simply because I did not do it. That's it. There's no other reason behind refusing to do those things. I don't want to make the commission angry with me. I don't want to fight against um, Brian Haas or Jerry Hill or Victoria Avalon. I don't want to drag them through any you know, mud puddles, or I have nothing to do with that. I don't want anything to do with that. I just cannot take the deal. I did not commit the crime. I've, I've seen you preach and I, in your sermons, and I've seen you talk about hope, and I'm just wondering, do you have hope right now for this next parole hearing? Yeah, I do. I, I have great hope. The narrative of, of my life has been changed, and Michelle's truth is now very widely known across the world. And knowing that they finally know the truth is everything to me because that has to be 90% of what my mission has always been for 35 years. 90% of my fight has been about getting justice for her. It really doesn't matter who in the state acknowledges that or not. People are acknowledging it, and that's justice for Michelle. Now, Now I can rest with that. No, the other 10% was hoping that I could somehow get myself back home to take care of the family that I'm in love with now. And um, you know, I'm still hopeful for that to happen. But the main part of this goal that I have is, is complete. People know. In the past, I haven't had that. So, yeah, I do have a lot of hope. And I don't know what the commission knows. I really don't. I don't, I don't know them. I know, like, I understand all that. Victoria Avalon knows she's, she's been part of this case. And so she knows my claim and she knows who I am. 
And, uh, you know, I'm not sure what she thinks about it. And, and even more cloudy is what the commission thinks about it. But they're all human beings. And so this is a chance for all of them, all of them to come out. We can all come out of this in a really good place. We can all come out of this ahead. And it'll never come back in their face. Victoria Avalon would never be embarrassed for coming away saying this wasn't right. It'll never come back to her because I didn't do it. I keep saying that. It's just a fact. It's, I'm not after money. I'm not after fame. I don't need an apology from me. I'm not asking for any of that. All I'm asking for is justice with Michelle and my freedom. And, and so, yeah, I have a lot of hope because now the story has been told, and it's been told in a very, very big way, and it's been told very comprehensively. So I have a lot of hope because I think, I think these people who are supporting me now are not going to... Uh, take no for an answer on this. There are, and, if, and if the answer becomes no, I think a lot of people are going to want to know why. If Leo's denied parole in this, his fourth attempt, so many of you will want to know why. There's a level of scrutiny now that the state cannot escape. I don't know if there's really a way to make things right at this point. In a few months... In June, it'll be 35 years since Leo's known a day of freedom. Many of those years were spent in hopeless isolation, with Leo pleading for someone, anyone, to listen and believe that he's an innocent man. Now, there are people all around the world who have heard his story and believe in his innocence. People who are waiting and watching to see what happens next. And that is what gives him hope. And please make sure to thank all those supporters because that means a lot. I really am appreciative of the opportunity to tell them thank you personally because that's everything to me. They totally have changed my life. I cannot say enough. And hopefully we come to a good end in this story. What a celebration that will be. You know, it's time. I mean, it, it just is. It's just time. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career. And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. 
See new things. Try new things. Go back centuries while living in the moment. Forge new paths while discovering old ones. Pedal, paddle, and paint while trekking, tasting, and tailoring experiences that transform you into a better version of yourself. Immerse yourself in the world by activating your mind, your heart, and your body on a river cruise exclusively from Avalon Waterways. Save with limited time offers at avalonwaterways.com. Avalon is cruising. Elevated.